You are just you're on today. I'm like um weird. I, I think I'm hungover for the first time in a couple months. Really? No, I don't like. Yeah, I only had I had three beers last night, but they were all like ten percent. And they just like I, I don't know. I just I'm I'm not one hundred percent. So. So this is your uh, this is your Jordan flu game. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Welcome in on another episode of the Outside the Lines podcast. Today, we have a Baylor and Okie State recap, as well as a little bit of a Big 12 tournament preview. We will recap the combine results. Brees Hall is absolutely the greatest running back in the draft. If you have not seen that, then I don't know what you're quite seeing. But as always, we are presented to you by BNC Fieldhouse. Head on over to BNC Fieldhouse for the best drink deals on Welch Avenue, as well as the best place to watch the big game. Every Friday, they have $3 adioses, as well as $5 wraps, drag nights on Thursdays, Taco Tuesday, and Bachelor Mondays. Pretty much every single day of the week, head on over to Bachelor or I guess Bachelor Mondays for Monday, sure. But head on over to BNC Fieldhouse for the best drink deals on Welch Avenue, as well as the best place to watch the big game. So where do we want to start? Do we want to start with Okie State or do we want to start with Baylor? Uh, either way, we lose. So I, I passing the torch to you. You're going to pass the torch to me. Okay. Um, let's start with Baylor because that was maybe a little bit more positive or like we could take a little yes. something from it. No, team, I like that. I don't fought back. Um, yeah. it's a good team and, you know, it's always really fun when you dig yourself in a 27 to four hole in, in any sport that you play, um, especially basketball. So to, for them to eventually get it to a two score game was, or like two point game at, at one point is, it's pretty impressive against obviously number three Baylor, who's playing really well right now as we're, we're getting towards the end of the season, but, but yeah, um, it's just stuff like that. Like you, you can't go down 27 to four. Like it's, it's like when we watch in football and stuff like that, when it's just like getting in these giant ass holes in the first half. And then it's like second half, they like realize that they have to play a football game and then they play really well, get back within, you know, once one score game or whatever. And then like build up cyclone fans, hopes and dreams and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, we always know the end result. So, <laughs> yeah, honestly, being yeah, being down twenty five at one point, but we were away and we still somehow finagled our way into a lead at some point in the late second half, and it's just it's just like that's that is this team like Ots will never quit on a game and neither will our players, so it's really cool to kind of watch them never give up and it's really cool to watch a comeback like that. But what's even cooler, beating Baylor in Waco despite any sort of deficit throughout the game, like just, just win the damn game. But yeah, if, if you're down 25 points at one point, uh, like you said, I think it was 27, four at the time ESPN finally decided to put us back on ESPN two. It's that's a hard pit to come out of, especially when you're an away team playing the number three team in the country. It's just, uh, I, I was insanely shocked that we somehow finessed our way into a lead at some point though. I, I mean, our offense wasn't even, that outstanding, but I think we were just kind of getting some key stops. Honestly, a lot of shots just were not falling for Baylor at some point in that and kind of like the, toward the end of the first half and beginning of the second half is kind of really where we just started to see some of our shots fall and their shots miss. Um, so I think the comeback was a lot of grit. Absolutely. But 
a little bit of luck too. And obviously, you know, fortune didn't favor us in the end, but it was a fun game. I guess the second half was fun. <laughs> hey, having fun's all that matters in life. You know, as long, as, <laughs> yeah. long as, as long as we had fun, that's, you know, that's always, they may be graded on the win loss column, but did they have fun while doing it? That's all that matters in life. This is true. This is true. This is like a um, parent telling their kid after they, they lost like their first little like T-ball game or something. But did you have fun? Um, did we have fun yesterday? Did you do your best? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Did you do your best? <laughs> um, yeah. Did you get all your homework done before the game? No. <laughs> it's Saturday. You do your homework Sunday night. That's true. As late as possible. Or you don't. Unless, yeah. unless you're a nerd. Yeah. Nerds. If you're if you're listening to this and you got your homework done on Saturday, nerd. Oh, yeah. Imagine imagine doing any type of schoolwork on a Saturday. Could not be me. Imagine being the guy at the water cooler talking to your coworkers about how you got your homework done on a Saturday. <laughs> that that doesn't that doesn't make sense because you want to be at a water cooler if you're in school because water cooler is more for the work life. Work. Yeah. But if you're doing homework, it's more for like the school life. So Let's move on. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. We're off to a great start here. Um, this is, I think this is our best episode yet. <laughs> oh, we, I mean, we say this every time. We're only getting better with experience, right? <laughs> exactly. That's how that works. And podcasting is hard. It's yes, so it's very hard. hard to talk into a mic. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, this team is, I think we've said it so much. This team is, is frustrating. Um, I, I don't think anyone could tell you in good confidence how they feel going into the Texas tech game, how they feel about possibly going into an NCAA tournament game. I would love to get my hopes up and like, you know, think that they can, you know, I don't know. They just don't put together like complete games all the time. And that's, it's just, it's really tough. The, the offense always hit these skids. Like they missed 14 shots in a row yesterday, 14 shots. Like that's, that's impressive to do. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, it's stuff like that. It's like, it, it just feels like when they, they always run into some sort of like, you know, speed bump or, or something that stagnates them. And it's really just like, okay, how long is it going to take them to get out of this funk? And it's really dependent on that. Cause they've had so many games where they've played 30 great minutes, 35 great minutes and stuff like that. But then they just have a five minute skid or a seven minute skid where it looks like they forgot how to play basketball. Everyone looks scared. Mm-hmm. No one wants to touch the ball besides like Brockington, that kind of stuff. Like, and it's just, I don't know, like hopefully maybe in the tournament under the lights or something, maybe that might help them. Maybe it's like they go in with this like mentality of got nothing to lose. We're just going to grind these teams out defensively and see what happens mm-hmm. type deal. But I mean, like the defense has never been the issue, really. That's the thing. It's like, no, uh, it, it's when we try and like run our offense that it looks like sometimes really gross. So I don't know. This team is is very much a roller coaster. It's been a fun ass ride, though. Like, I, you know, I, I don't think you could ask for, you know, any better results this year. You know, like I, I always like to think back to our, our basketball preview or like talking about it of, of how we felt, um, you know, heading into the season where they might be in the, the standings, all that kind of stuff or, or results. And I would like to tell you right now, Hey man, <laughs> remember a little bit. Oh, Hey Ralph. <laughs> Quiet Ralph. Ralph. I'm recording Ralph's a got- podcast. Damn it. <laughs> Ralph's Ralph's got some uh, feedback on Baylor. Um, 
but hey, do you remember our, our little bet that we had for where Iowa State was going to finish in the Big 12 standings? What's your prediction for Big 12 standings basketball at the end of the year? Just, just throw one out there. Seventh. Just throw one out there. Seventh. Okay, see, I'm going to say five. Okay. All right. Handshake. Deal. All right. If I win, then you have to do something absurd that we'll, we'll come up with later on because I'm getting really hot and heavy about this topic right now. What happens if they finish sixth? <laughs> if they finish sixth, um, <laughs> it, it pushes. Nothing happens. <laughs> All right. They split us. Yeah. I thought I said eight or better. No, you said fifth. Oh, no, you said fourth. You said fourth, and I said sixth. Guess what yeah, they finished? Right, six. Yeah, yeah. Nice, great. <laughs> you also were the hater of us two toward the beginning of the year when we were four and zero, and I was like, "Let's go, we're an actual team." And you're like, "Eh, we're still probably going to come last." Which I don't know if you actually said last. I don't even know if you said six. I I did. I don't say remember. Six. I'll play I'll it back. Take your word for it. Okay. You okay? Go ahead, play it back. I trust you because every single time that. I listen back to these podcasts. I think I've been wrong at least 90% of the time. Correct. Um, yeah, you usually are. You know, one thing that is um, a not very pleasing pattern to see is Brockington still puts up double digits, which is crazy because Baylor was one of his like most struggling games and he still finessed his way into 11 points. Um, but, you know, Okie State, he also dropped 13, but he struggled most all of that Baylor game. Like he, it was... It was pretty rocky. He was taking decent shots. He was taking, you know, Isaiah Brockington shots that usually fall in and they just kind of weren't. So um, I, he's one of those dudes though, that I don't really have much concern for. Like if he's our issue, those past two games, I think he's going to show up in those big moments. So I don't think that's going to last, but uh, you know, you look at this Oklahoma state game, we dropped 36 points, 36 points. He had over a third of our points. So him and Tyrese Hunter had a total of 25 points of our 36. So like that, we've said this so much, like you have got to get other people going on offense. No one else scored more than four points. Bob Jones with four points against Okie state. And also Bob Jones, dude, we're, we're calling him Bobby. He's officially earned the Bobby title because he had that eight points in a row against Baylor to finally start our offense, you know, like, Baylor seemed to be playing up guarding the perimeter a little bit. And he just kind of kept sneaking behind him for some easy layups. And Tyrese was getting him the ball too. So, you know, he's kind of starting to find his place in the offense, but uh, I will say, you know, a lot of those points just kind of came off of blown defenses too. Um, I don't know. I don't know, dude, this, this offense is just, you can never, you can never be confident with this offense, especially dropping 36 points against Okie state. I can't, I cannot believe that. That's bad. That's bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, 16 points in the second half. Holy shit. And only 20 points. in the first half. Like 20 po- oh my gosh. And Okie state only had 22 points in the first yeah. half. Like, yeah. so we're relying a lot on our defense, which I don't know, you know, someone, um, I don't know who said it, but someone said TJ should still be well in the running for coach of the year. Just like, having his players come back from a 25 point deficit that early on, like usually if it's within the first, was it actually like within the first five minutes, we were down 25 points. I think it was within the yeah. first five minutes. That is one of those games that almost every other team out there would quit and just accept a 30 point loss. So the fact that we lost um, by I, how much did we lose by 
um, seven points. Like the fact that we didn't lose by double digits is already outstanding. And the fact that we even came back and had a lead at one point, like I hate to give these consolation wins to us, but I mean, they're the number three team in the nation. Like no one was expecting us to win that game, even if we didn't have a 25 point deficit. So, I mean, odds has these guys fighting is, it's fun to watch the fight, but it's also more fun to actually score points and to get ahead of the, get ahead of the game before you, you know, dig yourself in a, or before you're crawling out of a hole. So I don't know. Are we, are I don't, I don't really know how to feel moral victory here. Is that, is that what we're going to do? Yeah. I'm a moral victory guy, man. Just, just tell yeah. me, that's called being tell me um, one thing I did wrong, but tell me two things I did right. Just to make me feel good. And, and I'll always be happy. I'm happy being a loser. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. This team is, uh, I don't know. And we got to play Texas tech next. Like I do not feel great about that game at all. I feel like every no. tech game has been rough. I mean, we barely beat them when they had seven total players and like <laughs> they were missing like two of their top four scores or something like that. Like yeah, I was, saying, we was barely beat them. And I was at home. Yeah. yeah. It was before they got in their groove. Like I know they just lost Oklahoma state too, which I don't This Oklahoma state team, like, sneaky pulls out some dubs. They gave Baylor yeah. their first like conference loss this year. They've um they played a lot of teams close. So I they're definitely not a pushover, but um yeah, I mean they pulled it out against tech and um and whatnot. So I don't know. I I I do not feel, this is like I think tech would be if I had to pick a team in the Big 12 that I would not want us to play, it'd probably be tech. Oh yeah. I feel like we yeah. just do not match up well with them. I'd rather get Kansas or Baylor again. Um, and, and this is, yeah, this is dumb brain thinking, right? Haven't beat Baylor. Haven't beat Kansas. I'd rather play a team that we've lost to twice with the assumption. We're not going to lose to them a third time than play a Texas tech team who we like barely beat the first time. And I don't know how bad the second loss was against them, but yeah, they're hitting their stride. And also I feel like they play well, um, in March. Like, I, I feel like they, I don't know if their fan base travels well, but they don't have any issues winning on the road from what I know of. And they give every team a, a really, really tough look. I totally agree. Texas Tech is the team to be in the Big 12, if you ask me. I don't know if they're the team to be in the Big 12. I'm saying just as far as like who I do now, I would say to play. Because I just, I think this year. I guess that's what I, that's what I meant by it. I don't think Texas Tech is going to, is more likely to win the national championship opposed to like Baylor or Kansas, but against us. That's, yes, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, so I don't know. Um It'll be awesome to see all the Cyclone fans down down in uh, Kansas City as usual. I think that's always everyone's uh, favorite time of the year is when oh, yeah. clone fans just take over KC. So Power and Light District will be covered in Cardinal and Gold. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever been down there for it? Oh, yeah. I, I try and go every year. There's a – I don't have any vacation time, so I don't think I'm able to, like, make it for the Thursday night game. But if we win Thursday night, I'm not supposed to go because I have my – future father, father-in-law's birthday on Saturday. But if we went on Thursday, I, I might see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, but it's, I don't know. I mean, they call it Hilton South for a reason. I mean, you, every time I've been down there and I'm not, I, I'm saying this in the most unbiased way I can possibly say this cyclones dominate the crowd, even though yeah. Lawrence is less than an hour away. And I mean, Lawrence is probably like the next largest, you know, fan base there, but it, time and time that I've been there, Iowa state, definitely looks like they have the numbers over everyone and it's cool. And we, we, we do play really well in T-Mobile center. I was about to say sprint center, but um, I don't know. Like it's, it's just weird. It's weird. Not having an offense It's weird going into March without like, you know, like a, like a hot streak on offense. Cause that's what we're usually used to. 
Um, but it never works for us. Like the, the last couple of times that we've won the big 12 tournament going into it, I think we've lost first round. Like, <laughs> I think you're right. So I, I'm out, I'm out on a big 12 tourney run. <laughs> like just get, get me an NCAA tournament dub. Um, actually, here's a question. So would you rather make it to the sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament, but with a first yes. round exit? Yes. First round. Okay. All right. Or I was going to say, or um, first round exit in the NCAA tournament, but winning the Big 12 tournament. No. For whatever reason, no. I, I just love winning 16. the Big 12 tournament. It's Who so cares? much fun. Win the Big 12 regular season. It's way more But important. dude, we're not going to win the national championship. That's like my thing. I'm like, we're not going to win the national championship. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but that's Sweet not going to are sick, though. Like, they are. That's, that's the pinnacle of usually a successful like season is like, you say yeah. you say you get a sweet sixteen, you're, you're usually pretty happy, unless you're like one of those programs that should get it if you're like a one or two seed. But yeah, I, don't know. I think I agree with you. I just think winning the Big Twelve tournament, you're exactly right. Like I think we've literally had a first round exit the last two, three times we've done it. Not three times, but um, it's just so much fun, dude. And there is a certain level of bragging rights that you can have over the Big Twelve, especially this year, them being the best conference. Uh, I'm going to shut up though. Cause I agree with you also briefly want to touch on ESPN plus. I know you didn't see all of the game uh, for Baylor, but I was, you know, going in and out of rooms in my house because there was tornado sirens going on everywhere. So, you know, camped out in the storage room for most of the game, but we were supposed to be on ESPN too, right? Mike or coach K's, uh, I believe it was his last game at Duke coaching. So they like just, threw him on ESPN two for the first, I think it was the first 13 minutes of the game. It wasn't until minute seven where they finally put us from ESPN plus to ESPN two without telling anyone like no announcement, no, whatever, maybe just like a slide a little, like after, you know, 15 minutes of gameplay, they finally had a little sidebar on the screen that said, if you want to watch the Iowa state Baylor game, catch it on ESPN plus. So I'm like, this is stupid. So I had to, figure out how to get on ESPN plus, you know, text like three friends of mine. Hey, can I use your ESPN plus login? And then by the time I finally got it up, it still like, wasn't going like the, the screen that I was trying to select. It wasn't, it wasn't pulling up. And so then when I finally get it pulled up on ESPN plus, they finally move it back to ESPN two. And I open up the TV and boom, it's 27, 20 or it's 27 to four. And I'm like, Oh, well, I think I'm going to leave. So this sucks. And then they had like audio issues where it just went like, that probably really hurt some of you. Hey, guys guess what? But guess it just what? sucked. What? You don't have to watch another game on ESPN Plus this um, basketball season. Wow. Holy Isn't that shit, nice? Hey. Isn't that nice? Clap, here? clap up for ESPN Plus. Also, Big 12 refs missed a really bad call with less than a minute left. We were down, um, down five. Baylor missed a shot. Cal Shearer came up with the rebound. And he just gets like – it wasn't like – like a handsy foul, but the dude just ran into him with his body. I think Gabe kind of sold a little bit of a flop, but it was like without a doubt a foul. And I mean, at that point, I, yeah, we were in the bonus. We would have been shooting, could have made it a one possession ball game with 50 seconds left. Like that's, that's frustrating. I know that most people would say, you know, would the game actually still have been won there? Well, it definitely could have. And, you know, it's just so, so damn annoying, dude. Like, Counterpoint, I had Baylor fans tell me that he flopped and that wasn't a foul. So what do you have to say to that? That's the thing. He kind of <laughs> flopped a little bit. He did. Like, I'm willing to admit it, but it was clearly a foul. Like it was 
all body. And I mean, it definitely got him enough to be out off balance a little bit. I mean, people flop for a reason. Usually that's like, it's because there's a call and they want to make it as obvious as possible. And if you're wearing the Cardinal gold, then you probably should try and make it as obvious as possible, even though I have a really big issue with flopping, but like, yeah, it was a little bit of a flop, but it was certainly a foul call. And if you're watching the replay, if you're watching it, even, even in real game action, it looks like a very obvious, like body foul. I mean, I, just, I don't really know how you can argue it. Like it was a little bit of flop. Sure. But like, it was still a foul. There was still a foul on the play and it was pretty damn obvious. Iowa State bitching about the Big Twelve refs. That'll never. That'll that'll never. We'll subside. be doing that till we die. Literally, yes. like our gravestones will be like, "Fuck the Big Twelve refs." Like that, mm-hmm. that's just the last quote. Mm-hmm. But we're also really good at bitching about Big Twelve refs. We're great at podcasting <laughs> and great at complaining about Big Twelve ref calls. Yes, yes. Um, it's like necessary to be an Iowa State fan. You you have to. You have to like beer. You have to like going to Kansas City um for the Big 12 tournament. And you have to like complaining about Big 12 refs. Those are like mm-hmm. three of the requirements to like when you apply to Iowa State, they like ask you that on the application. Like, are you comfortable mm-hmm. with these things? Do you agree to these terms and conditions? And you just say yes, because no one reads that shit. No one reads um, it. Yeah. All right, you want to hop into combine? A uh, little, little football talk. Yeah, really good dude. on basketball. How we're how we're heading into yeah. the Big tournament. In, in some, yeah. we don't fucking know what's gonna happen, and neither do you, yes. because this Iowa State team is unpredictable. And it's it's like that that meme with the Cheeto as the lock. You know, it's like, oh yeah, we we have an NCAA tournament berth on lock, but the lock is a is a goddamn Cheeto. You know, it, are we actually? I mean, I think we're gonna be at the very least a 10 seed in the tournament. But if, if shit happens in the big 12 tournament, I, I don't, is there a way where we could bounce out of the NCAA tournament? Did you see that? I don't think so. Right now, Joe Lenardi had us as a eight seed. Um, so I, I, I don't think that we're close enough to the bubble at this point um, to get knocked out. So, okay. But yeah, I mean, we could that. be we could be fighting for like a, t- a ten seed at this point, um, which I don't know, dude. I think I'd rather be a ten seed than an eight or a nine seed. I so you, I get, kind a, of you get a two, that. you get a two if you win, and, and I don't think there's much difference between a seven and like an eight. Um, mm-hmm. I agree, and and getting a two over a one is pretty nice because you know I don't know. There's there's usually a bigger gap between them, but but yeah, so. Right now, though, I, I think we can all kind of breathe a little bit light, like, you know, I, like, yeah, be a little relaxed um, just because we do have tech. Like, I'd be worried if we had to play like a West Virginia or Oklahoma State that could be considered a bad loss. And then, you know, we we decide not to show up again, like on senior night or something like that. But but. That's, but that would happen um, if we beat Texas Tech. And if we beat Texas Tech, I think at the very least I would cancel out a bad loss against West Virginia. Well, we wouldn't I would probably won't play West Virginia or Oklahoma State. Well, Oklahoma State's not even in the tournament this year. Because they they can't be in the, the NCAAs. They're oh my gosh, that's right. So there's only nine teams in the big big 12 tournament. So I completely forgot about that. Wow. Yes. That sucks. That entire yeah. story was was a little bit of BS, but I don't yeah, remember I enough mean, about it to read. Just like other programs that get have gotten less punishment. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's one of those NCAA is going to NCAA. So, yeah. but 
All right, combine. Combine. Brees Hall. Brees Hall. Let's back go. One. Running back one. Oh my gosh. Been saying he, I, I've tweeted it a million times this year. Best running back in college football. And it's true. It is literally just true. I, it, the film proves it. The combine results prove. I mean, the only thing that he, I mean, he was still at the top of the ranks in the 40 yard dash. He four, three, nine official 40. And I mean, the next, the, let's see, Pierre strong out of South Dakota state had the fastest time as well as Isaiah Pacheco. Sorry if I butchered his name at four, three, seven. So he was 0.02 away from the fastest times. He had the highest vertical jump at 40 inches flat, which is just, that's stupid, dude. If you can jump for that's Michael Jordan. That, that's literally Michael Jordan leaps. Yes. Um, all right. I've got a, uh, a quiz or a riddle, I guess, for you. What does oh, Desmond riddle Desmond riddle? He yeah. ran pretty fast. He's that quarterback from Cincinnati, he, correct? Yeah. He's a, he's a pretty, he had a good combine anyway. Anyways, here's my riddle. What do Reggie Bush, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, Travis, Etienne and Najee Harris and Brees Hall all have in common. Um, they are all good running backs. Correct. That is true. <laughs> but they're also the one of six running backs to earn a 99 in the next gen stats, like overall athleticism score. Only just... Brees Hall is one of those six. That's pretty good company. Um, it's really Heisman good winner, Heisman winner. Saquon, who when he's he's healthy, is usually pretty good. Uh, Travis Etienne was amazing, and, and Najee was the Steelers' offense this last year. So, mm-hmm. pretty good company to be in. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm so excited for just I don't know. I, I love watching Cyclone players in the NFL. Like it, it just it makes me so happy. Like I don't know. Like when you get the Sunday night football thing, and it's like Alan Lazard, Iowa State University. I'm oh like, yeah, yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> favorite, favorite part of the telecast. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's exciting. It's, it, you love to see, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something that Iowa State football hasn't had a lot of, of like, Hey, like, you know, people want Iowa State players. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, there's quotes coming out. People are like, we're like, yeah, if you get a Matt Campbell coach guy, you know, you're going to get someone who's really tough and really smart. And it's like, hell yeah. So, and that's, amazing for recruiting. Um, so it goes, it goes all the way down and it goes back to, to cycling football. And yeah, dude, I, I embrace dominate the shit, you know, 40 inch vert four, three, nine, 40 or 40 yard dash. Like he's, he's almost, he's like two twenty. That's, that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's dangerous, man. That's dangerous. So, and he's like six foot two, which I mean, that, that used to not really mean much for running backs, but nowadays, I mean, you can really help with, uh, with the receiving end of things as well especially if you're throwing like dump off passes, you have to get it above the offensive and defensive line every now and then. Um, I mean, yeah, the dude is, is like the complete package. He also has the best resume of all of them. Kenneth Walker might kind of stack up with his resume, but in like the totality of their careers, Brees easily has the nod. In my opinion, you watch film and I think Brees is like, again, I'm biased. We're both biased, but you watch film and Brees has like a very... I, I, it's, it's like, sometimes he runs like Alvin Kamara where he quite literally just bounces off people. And then other times he just, he runs very like Saquon, you know, where he's out running people, he's juking people and he's just throwing people on the ground. I mean, the guy truly has it all. And if you're not picking him as your first running back PFF, and I think most of the uh, boards have him as a first running back off the, off the big board, but um, 
and I think that's kind of where he was before the combine, but the combine might have bumped him up to an early first round draft uh, or not, not, not early, a late first round draft, early second round. I think they still might have him at like, you know, first pick of the third round. I don't really know, but that, that would just be more so from like a money perspective, what he would, what he would have coming in there. But yeah, someone's going to really develop their offense with Brees Hall. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the other thing too, that Brees brings that maybe, um, you know, the only, I think the, the thing that separated him the most from like David Montgomery was the fact like Brees has the like home run hit, like mm-hmm. David Montgomery, just like love him. I love him. I, I love watching David Montgomery run. He breaks so many tackles, does all that shit, but he, he just, you know, he's not the fastest. Breakaway like, speed. He, he doesn't have that breakaway yeah. speed, but Brees has that. He's always had that. And like, that's huge. Um, and so I, I think that's one thing that really separates Brees and like, just is going to make him potentially like, you know, a very dangerous player in the NFL is the fact that he can house anything, anytime, like from anywhere mm-hmm. on the field. And so, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm excited to see a team, you know, put their offense around him. You know, like I watched a lot of series game this last year and like, holy shit, they ran, they gave Najee Harris so much like, three down back did everything. And, but that's like exactly what Brees can do. Brees is a good receiver too. Um, you know, and, and he can, he can certainly make plays, um, out of the backfield and, and, you know, in the receiving game as well. So some teams are going to be really happy. I I, I think it'll be interesting to see where it goes. You just never kind of know where, where running backs are going to go in the drafts. I I feel like teams kind of, you know, I think this year there, there might be a couple that are all grouped together in that high tier of like Kenneth Walker is also another one that where it's just like, yeah. yeah, you'll have a couple of these guys that are probably going to go like really late first round, early second um, that we saw last year with the, the running back tiers. Um, but yeah, it'd be awesome to, to see him get to go to, you know, uh, I don't know, any team that's just not some dysfunctional franchise is always what I hope root for. So that's where we're at there. But um, yeah, dude, mm-hmm. uh do you want to talk about a little tight end action? Chasing, chasing Kolar. Oh, yeah. Yes. Kolar. I, I don't think he tested really anything aside from the gauntlet drill I and mean, he killed it, caught every single ball and looked great doing it. Um, Chase Allen though. I mean, let me, let me just give some quick context here. When, when we're at the NFL combine, these are typically the best of the best athletes in all of college football. Now I know that a lot of, you know, uh, hidden gems are found in their, you know, their own colleges pro day. So you can certainly find some other really outstanding performances, uh, you know, combine results from there. But as far as the most prolific draft worthy, you know, these are the the cream of the crop at their position. So with that context, Chase Allen was never like, he was always either at the top, the three cone drill, he placed second. Um, behind Austin Allen from Nebraska. Otherwise, he's pretty much in the middle of everything, which means he's he truly has proved that his athleticism matches, you know, what he's produced on the field. And and I think that was kind of where he had some question marks going into the draft. You know, people can see that hey, he, you know, he has a lot of intangibles, first of all, just from his personality, his leadership, but also like you see what he does on the field and he can certainly contribute in a lot of different areas on the field. But now what he's also showing is, Hey, that athleticism that might've been in question no longer is in question. I can keep up with everyone else that's next to me and I can stack up with everyone there. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen Kolar test more, but that's just me being, you know, a cyclone fan wishing I could see a little bit more of my guys. 
but I don't think either of them ran the 40 yard dash. I'm trying to see 40 results. Um, yeah, neither of them did. Yeah. No, I, I think Kolar said he was going to do some stuff at the, the pro day. Um, so that's right. That that's, that's where he was going to, but I mean, they both like ran routes did like the, the long ball over the shoulder stuff. So they, they kind of went through, I guess what I would say is like more of the football stuff versus just like the, the measurements and, and things like that. Um, I thought Brock mm-hmm. had a pretty, pretty solid, you know, I don't know. Like, he did. He, he was one of the faster quarterbacks of the draft. Um, you know, obviously his, his big thing is going to be his, his arm strength and everything like that. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think any of these guys did anything that was like kind of negative or anything that was going to, going to hurt their stock. So, mm-hmm. um, overall, I will say, I, I think um, a great weekend for some cyclones. So, yeah, I, I was a little shocked on Purdy's three cone drill. So, you know, just watching him play, I feel like as a runner, one of his stronger attributes is kind of his quickness, you know, his lateral movement. And I always thought he was more lateral friendly runner than a down the field runner. And yeah, I mean, he posted, I think his official 40 time, they had him at a four, seven, seven. I think it officially came in at yeah four, eight, four. So I'm curious to see what that pro day will look like at Iowa state, but all of his throws looked on the money. Admittedly, I didn't see all of them. I only just saw a couple highlights, but his over the, I mean, his long balls were on the money from what I saw. Um, but yeah, his three cone drill, second worst time that I don't know why that just, I was not expecting that for whatever reason. I just, I thought that's kind of where he would, he would shine, but I don't know. Like I said, there's another pro day coming for Iowa state. We'll see how they stack up there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pro day kind of matters a little bit more for quarterbacks too, because they're able to, to sort of script and do their own thing with, with throwing and, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. The, a lot of the athleticism stuff doesn't really matter too much as much, like as much for quarterbacks. I mean, Tom Brady, they always like made the joke of having like one of the worst three cone drills and that kind of stuff. Um, super mm-hmm. slow. So, um, you know, it is what it is, but, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's just awesome to see these guys on the stage. I feel like we went through so many years where it's like, you're lucky to get, you know, like one person there um, and whatnot and to have six get invited um, and participate. It's just, uh, a pretty awesome sort of uh, change in, in perception of, of the program. So mm-hmm. also shout out Uwazurike who had the highest vertical of all the defensive tackles, 33 inches. Oh my gosh. Guy that big jumping 33 inches. That's just stupid athletic. Mike Rose had, had some decent numbers. Again, I would say his was kind of similar to Purdy and Chase Allen's where he, I don't think he did anything to hurt his draft stock. Also, Mike Rose is a very intelligent player. Um, I think he, he plays a lot stronger than he shows. He didn't post any bench numbers, so I don't even know what his bench would look like, but he's like one of those more intangible athletes. And it's kind of like, kind of like Jake, not Jake, not was athletic everywhere, but like, what made him so great was he was always in the right spot on the field, always jumped passes, you know, kind of hid behind the linemen um, and would jump, you know, easy picks for Jake. Nye. And I think that's kind of what Mike Rowe shows a lot on the field as well. Also, he has a longevity factor. He knows that he's been playing for a while. He can seamlessly transition into another defense, I would imagine. So, yeah, I, I think the big story out of here is, Everyone was solid, you know, no one hurt their draft stock, which unfortunately we see too many times where I think a lot of people get, you know, they hurt their draft stock going to the combine, but I don't think, uh, I don't think anyone can walk away holding their head low. You know, it feels like everyone, if anything, helped their case or, um, just prove that they're, that they, you know, stack up with the competition around them. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good way to put it. So, um, get the pro day and then, you know, hopefully we'll get, get a lot of cyclones drafted. Um, which, you know, always an awesome moment. Love to see those guys like hard work pay off, you know, especially someone like Mike Rose and shit that, you know, we watched him since he was a freshman and, and everything that he's done for us. It's, it'll be, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's so awesome to continue to see these guys just like, you know, succeed and, and progress to the next level. So, yeah, let's, uh, I'm throwing this out, out at you, but, um, do you want to play some dream draft scenarios for a couple of these guys? I'm just thinking, do you know how happy I would be to see Charlie Kolar in a Colt uniform? That would be insane. I, I don't want him to go to Colts because is Carson Wentz really going to throw him the ball? Are we yeah. even going to have Carson Wentz? That's true. That's true. Yeah. But I also don't know who else we would get. Like, I think the only upgrades from Carson Wentz are, well, you can, there might be a few upgrades like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think either of those two would want to come to the Colts. Um, and then Jimmy Garoppolo, are you kidding me? I would give me Wentz over Jimmy. I, who cares if Jimmy wins? He's been on amazing teams his entire career. Do you watch the film? This guy loses a lot of games, kind of similar oh. to, to Wentz. But the one thing with Jimmy, he's he's less available than Wentz. Like I would, I'm not a Carson Wentz fan. Like I, I've watched him play. I wasn't sure how to feel about it. I was hopeful, but like I, I've never been crazy about Carson Wentz. But like, give me Carson Wentz on my team any season out of any other season rather than Jimmy G. I, I hate that narrative that Jimmy G has been given. It's, it's such BS. I think I'd rather have Jimmy G than Carson Wentz. Oh my gosh. Why? But Why? I think Jimmy G maybe loses the games less than Wentz does. I, I, I think that. I, I, I think, think it's like, pretty close. That, yeah, I would agree. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't feel confident with either of them being my quarterback, but I, yeah. I don't know, man, ever since Wentz, like he, he got hurt, like the back-to-back years, he just like, has not, not been the same. Not just doesn't have that confidence. And like, I don't know, Jimmy G has, you know, he's made it to Super Bowl. He's made it to multiple NFC championship games. I know it's like with Kyle Shanahan and a good 49ers defense, but that shows that he can at least like get you there. And Wentz hasn't done anything. He, he's not, he hasn't even won a playoff game in his life. He couldn't take the Colts, who I thought were a pretty solid team this year, to the playoffs. Yeah. Couldn't beat the Jaguars, um, and and playing probably the worst division in the NFL. And like you get, you no. get, yeah, the AFC South, NFC East, dude. The Cowboys, no. the Cowboys is fool's gold every year. They are not a threat. They never are a threat to win the Super Bowl. They are in the worst division. And I mean, the Eagles also had like. They found their way into the playoffs. You guys have the Jaguars and the Texans. That's four free wins, no matter what. You also have the Titans, and we also play in the AFC, which I I think the AFC is really like a really good conference. But I mean, is that why they won the Super Bowl the last couple of years? Shut up. (laughs) Oh, well, here's my thing with Jimmy G, though. He will miss at least 40% of the games a year. Right, and we won't, dude. Carson Wentz misses more games. No, he doesn't. That's that's like that is like the facade that everyone believes in. Yeah, he's been injured, but like that's what one thing he will do. He will play injured, and he'll still like an injured Carson Wentz is still better than Sam Ellinger, you know. And unfortunately, I I think so. But also, like Jimmy G is never available. Like 
Carson Wentz, he has battled a lot of injuries, but he is still way more available than Jimmy G. And I don't necessarily disagree with anything you said. Like, I think, um, yeah, Wentz might lose maybe one more game a year than Jimmy G, but also Carson Wentz will be there for plus four games than Jimmy G will. So that's why I'd rather take Wentz than Jimmy G. Um, but I, that's the thing. I don't like Wentz either. Um, I totally got so sidetracked here. Let's go back to our dream draft scenarios for our boys. Okay. Um, hmm. I don't, I don't even know. I feel like this is tough. Like I said, I just want to go to organizations that can develop well, um, aren't run like shit. And I don't know. Brees would be great to go to. I was thinking, and this is, this could be a very realistic scenario. What about Brees to the Rams? Cam Akers is not available. Sony Michelle is not the long-term answer. And they could certainly. I don't like that. Daryl Henderson's like, I mean, he's also not showing to be too available. I mean, I don't know. That's just a dream scenario for me. Um, I don't know. I, I think I would like to see. I've also seen Brees to supposedly even like the Chiefs, I guess. Because they're kind of like over Clyde Edwards Lair already. Um, yeah, they are. <laughs> so, but I don't know. I um, I guess I'm not really exactly sure off the top of my head of who exactly needs um, like running back help that much, um, or who would want to be investing. I guess probably like higher capital in a running back right now. This mock that I'm looking at though has no running backs taken in the first round. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I've seen him first running back off the board though. For, for most mock drafts, I, I have yet to see Kenneth Walker or someone else going in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, debatably the best running back in the NFL. I think he was a second round pick anyway. So yeah, sometimes, yeah. I mean, it's usually like, especially now it's, it's becoming rare and rare for a lot of like high capital to be used on on running backs, you know, um, they should really either really need a big, like need a running back or it's gotta be someone. Who, I, I don't know. It's even like just how the position switch. You've seen teams that have invested high capital, like the Panthers and the giants. And when these running backs don't stay healthy, they're just dog shit because, you know, usually running backs, the easiest to replace of, of any positions yeah. or so, but I don't know. Um, We'll see. We'll see. I, 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 um, yeah, I don't know. I don't particularly love the Rams for him. Um, but I don't think that'd be the worst thing ever. Um, well, the thing is Sean McVay wants to run the ball. Like in the Super Bowl, he wasn't getting anywhere with his running. And I think he, like, I, I'm just trying to think a little bit like him. He, he wants to establish that run game. He wasn't really able to most of the year. I think camp makers had like one game and then, Maybe Daryl Henderson had a couple here and there too, but like that has not been sustainable for him for a decent while in his coaching career. And I mean, I'm sure if you're a Rams fan, there are other needs, I'm sure, but I can't really think of any immediate needs that they have right now. The wide receivers are going to be stacked. They're going to bring OBJ back. I don't know. Um, what about for Purdy? Like, what would be a good scenario for Purdy? Because I don't think he's not going to find himself starting anywhere. But could be who could be a QB that he could kind of learn alongside of, um, and then maybe come into 
to fill his spot for a few games to just show that he can play, you know, kind of like the Gardner Minshew role that I've been comparing to. I, I have no clue on Brock Purdy. I, I don't think he's even potentially going to get drafted. So I think um, he might be right. I, I, I don't know. Anywhere that's going to maybe like take some time and, and develop him, you know, some something cool would maybe someone like, I don't know, like, in the 49ers or even I was thinking that too. something like that, like just quarterback, like coaches that maybe have uh, a history of, of good quarterback development. The chiefs would be another one behind Andy Reed, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff where, you know, he can learn and I don't know, you know, maybe Not become fail. a backup. But yeah. Yeah. It's just like, hell, like, even if he's like, as like, dude, imagine if he had like, you could, you could have like a Chase Daniel career or something like that, or you just mm-hmm. go and get all this backup money and like your great locker room guy, all this kind of stuff. Like that's fucking successful. And that's, you know, I don't know. You know, like obviously we, we would love to see Brock play and like be able to show off his stuff. But um, I, I feel like you kind of have to be a little realistic of, of kind of just, you know, where he's been mocked at and, and, you know, I don't know what, what's kind of expected of him. So you know, I mean, anywhere that's going to give him a shot to, to at least develop and, and, you know, maybe potentially try and learn from, from, mm-hmm. a, you know, I don't know, like Seahawks could be kind of cool maybe with Russell Wilson, but they don't develop like quarterbacks. All. I got, like they never draft quarterbacks either. Um, no, they're kind of, they're kind of a weird franchise, but I mean, hell they drafted Russ like in the late rounds, I think, wasn't he like a fourth third, round pick or something? Third. third. Um, I mean, you know, we talk, about Purdy's intangibles. And again, the combine showed that his tangibles still stack up, but what makes him great is his intangibles, his leadership. Um, And he has the highest accuracy percentage, you know, by far 71%. Matt Corral is number two at 65.8. Kenny Pickett at 65.5 at three Desmond Ritter at 63.6. So, I mean, like he does have a lot of the intangibles that will, I, I think he'll be a very late round draft pick. He might not get drafted, kind of like what Taylor Mauser said. We have no idea what the draft is nowadays with Alan Lazard being undrafted and being as as great as he is. So it'll be very interesting. But I don't know. I I, I love Purdy, dude. I just want him to go somewhere where a coach won't fail him. You know, I mean, I, I want that for all of these guys. Uazarike, I think, could be an absolute diamond in the rough for the defensive tackle position. I mean, the dude is just crazy athletic, big body, um, plays out of his mind. So I don't know. You know, if, if you're drafting Iowa State, you're drafting an intelligent player. That's what I've been hearing a lot around, you know, NFL Network. They know that Matt Campbell develops really highly intelligent players and also hyper mature. And you want that in the NFL. So the interview process is going to go really well for all of them. I don't know. I'm just I'm super pumped for these guys. Yeah. And I mean, you're even seeing like recently drafted Cyclones or, you know, have success too. you know, David Montgomery has been hoss for the bears. Like I, I think he goes oh, under yeah. the radar just because of how shit that offense was, but he does so much <laughs> for them. I mean, Alan Lazard came came around as like Aaron Rodgers, second favorite weapon the, the last few years, stuff like that. You know, someone like AJ Klein has hung around in the NFL for so long and has been mm-hmm. a great, you know, sort of like second or third linebacker for, for some pretty good saints teams and, and the bills and stuff like that, you know? So a lot of these, these Iowa state guys, um, you know, you're, you know, that you're getting someone who's going to kind of come in work their ass off. Mostly have, most of them have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because of it. And um, yeah, like you said, the thing with the Matt Campbell quote was awesome. You know, seeing like 
execs to be like, Hey, people, people know what to expect with these Matt Campbell guys. They're really smart. They're very tough. And you're going to get like really good character, high character, good locker room guys. And when you're getting drafted, like later in the rounds, that's the kind of stuff that separates you. You know, that's what teams think about, Hey, is this guy going to come in and work his butt off? Is he, is he going to be open to, to teaching and learning and, and coaching? And is he going to, you know, try and get a roster spot, try and get playing time, all this kind of stuff. And, and I feel like you could look at all the guys invited to the combine this year. Um, and all of them have those qualities, you know, our tight ends are some of the, we, we talked to Mauser, like, he's like, they're the smartest motherfuckers, you know, <laughs> like they're one and two on like smartest people on this team. And like teams are going to pick that up. They're going to know that they know that the work ethic and like, they know what it, it takes to succeed. So I, I'm excited. I, I think a lot of these guys are, you know, I think it's hard to pinpoint specific places. Cause like, I can really see them doing pretty well. just about anywhere, you know, um, you just, you got to really hope you get a coaching staff that buys India and they're going to give you the chance. You know, we've, we've talked to some guys where that hasn't always been the case and that's, that's where it gets a little tough, but you know, hopefully these guys will, you know, get the trust in, um, you know, resources from, from these teams and then be able to be successful um, on the field at the next level. So. Love it. Well, do you have anything else? I don't, I don't, I, I think, um, I, I think we've covered it pretty well. I'm excited for the draft. Like it, it's going to be really cool. It, it'll be pretty awesome to just, I don't know, hear multiple players that we've just watched through the years, hopefully get drafted and like get their, their chance in the spotlight. I, I feel like it's really cool. So it absolutely is. Yeah. And I mean, I, this, we have so many people that could be potentially drafted. It'll be a very fun draft. Um, if you're heading to Kansas city, cheer loud for us on Thursday night, um, man, it's going to be a hell of an environment down in Kansas city at T-Mobile, T-Mobile arena, T-Mobile center, whatever the hell it's named. God damn it. Um, but without further ado, always presented by Ben, the King of Ames, BNC Fieldhouse. Head on over to BNC Fieldhouse for the best drink deals on Welch Avenue. Best place to watch the big game. Great burgers, great wraps, awesome adioses, just everything. Best environment. Head on over to BNC Fieldhouse. Without further ado, thanks for tuning in and roll clones. Roll clones, baby.